Well, I can't see anybody because, because of those lights, but it's okay, and I'm sure you're looking good, every one of you. Lori and I like to go out to eat from time to time. You guys too? Yeah, I mean, I would do it a lot more often uh, if I wasn't married to Lori first uh, because she is the prudent one of the relationship, and so she says, oh, let's eat at home, and so we do. Uh, but, uh, and also, yeah, just because, you know, it takes, lo these days, way more money, doesn't it? Have you noticed the prices are just like, but we love to go out and eat. And so we have, of course, the routine over the course of years. And, and one of the parts of the routine is, is well, what are you going to have? Right? And that usually comes from Lori uh, to me. So what are you going to have? And um, she will usually say that because she has something in mind that she would like to put on the table. And often what that thing that she wants to put on the table is um, from the appetizer menu, especially if it's a place that will offer you um, a little bit of all the appetizers. You know what I mean? You know, where the, you know, it'll be like, okay, uh, an appetizer platter, so to speak. So you get nachos, you get potato skins, you get buffalo wings, you get poppers, you get sliders, you get onion, whatever, whatever you like. And they usually just put it all on this platter, and, and then you could make a meal of it if you were so inclined, which I rarely am, but sometimes I am, and it's pretty cool uh, because... In that way, we can get full, we can get full on just appetizers. And if it's a place that has good appetizers, then it's especially nice. And so, um, I, the reason I say all that is because this morning, I think, is going to be like an appetizer platter, as opposed to like the main dish. And in that way, I, I want to talk about five or six things here uh, this morning very quickly uh, that will help us move into 2022 uh, encouraged, I hope. Um, the thing about the appetizer platter, by the way, is that usually I don't like everything on the appetizer platter. My wife is an eclectic eater. She will eat almost anything. And, and yet I am a, um, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of like a redneck uh, gourmet. And so there's just a handful of things that I might like on that platter. And so I'll just fill up on that. That might be the way this goes here in the next few minutes or so, where there'll be just certain things that, you, that will be aimed right at you. And so just take those and other things, okay, that's not a big issue. For you or whatever. Do you follow me? So we can just do that and not feel bad about <laughs> liking everything that, uh, that I'm going to talk about here. But I just want to talk about some things that we might uh, take into the new year and think about as we get ready to go after this, uh, this year named 2022. So the first thing that I want to talk to you about is worship. Worship. We do that 
a lot around here, and if we wanted to bring quick definition to the idea of worship, this is my favorite. Worship is the human response to divine action. Let me just slow that down a little bit. Worship is the human response to divine action. So in order to worship, there has to be the perception that God has acted and given me something to respond to. Do you, do you follow me? In which case, we don't have to be in the mood to worship. Have you recognized in yourself that sometimes you're more in the mood to do that than, than other times? Is this morning, you know, you're just like a, sometimes those mornings where you're just like a horse at Santa Anita, you know, and you're pawing the ground and just can't wait for that first note to hit, you know, for Sam to hit a big, strong bass note, and off we go. And we have those mornings. Then we have other mornings where, oh, God, I don't know if I could even get going, and Jesus, guys are playing awful loud, and I don't know whether I can even worship God, you know, just all of that sort of thing. And so because we are a people of many moods, some of us more that way than others, then but the mood doesn't count. What counts is that God has acted. That's what counts. And so we let that then begin to motivate us. And if you haven't got something you can think about that's happened in the last few days or so, you know, there's all sorts of places that you can go, starting with the gift of salvation and just move right through all the things, the wonderful things that God has done his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his benevolence, right? His provision, all of these sorts of things. And so do we have the, uh, the scripture? Come let us bow down in worship and let us kneel before the Lord our maker. There's a hundred places you might go in the book of Psalms. And by the way, the book of Psalms is the worship book of the Bible, if you need one. That's where we get our vocabulary, most of it, to worship God with. David was the quintessential worshiper. But this is the invitation. Come, let us bow down in worship and let us kneel before. And did you notice the, the, um, the plural? Come, let us. Let's us do this together. Now, you can make a case for private worship and and I'd be right there with you. We need, I, I do it in my car all the time. Uh, as I, you know, do the lift route that I do. Um, but there's all sorts of other places. Some people, the holy of holies at your house is the shower. Right? And song can be heard coming from uh, uh, the shower. Because it's, it's private and it's wonderful. And we all sound better with that little echo that we get in the shower. And so people do that. We find our places to do it. But, but let me underscore the us. Come let us worship. And it's, a, it's an auxiliary point here that I might make, but coming to church is a really good idea. It's a good idea to come here once a week to worship together. And I just like to say that because there's, again, people of many moods, including me, 
You ever have a Sunday or two or 20 where, uh, where you get up in the morning and say, you know, there's not a thing in me that really wants to go down there yet. Okay, I'll have some coffee. Okay, I'm feeling a little better now. But again, the, the moods come and the moods go. I'm an elder here. Sometimes I don't want to come. I just don't, because that's because that's the mood I'm in right there. But but I sort of, you know, I just drag myself sometimes, and I'm always glad I came. I can never remember going out to the parking lot after getting together with you guys and, and go, doggone it, I knew I should have stayed home. <laughs> but I'm always glad I came. Why? Because you're here. And because God's presence comes and meets with me faithfully every time I will worship, every and with you especially. So I offer that uh, to you here as we move in to this year. Worship connects us with our primary purpose of existence. We were created to connect with God and to worship him. And the, some of the best stuff happens when we do that. Do you agree? The presence of God is never more vivid and never stronger than when the church is together in worship. So I, I offer that to you uh, here this morning. Let's talk about prayer. And let me say to you first that uh, Kelly is going to begin a series on prayer beginning uh, next week, uh, God willing, and I think he's going to be fine. He, that's what he says anyway, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm believing him on that, that things will be back to sort of uh, a normal uh, situation here. But he's going to start about three or four weeks on prayer, and I can't wait. I can't wait for that because I know it's going to be good, and it's something that we need to be encouraged to do on a regular basis. Prayer is speaking to God. That's really what it comes down to in its most uh, uh, basic definition, right? The disciples who were not in, uninformed about the subject nonetheless asked Jesus to teach them that there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that they said, you know, that the way you do that, how do you do that? Can you show us how to do that? And then he taught them. And you know what he said. And I think I'd like to, on this uh, first Sunday in 22, say that prayer together. The way that you learned it, I learned it when I was six years old at St. Benedict's uh, school and said it every day uh, for eight years there. Because I had to. <laughs> but I don't want you to say it because you have to here today. Just say it because you know it and think about what you're saying. Can we say it together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, 
but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That prayer is as good today as it was when Jesus introduced it to them. And if you're a person who doesn't feel like you can pray very well, that's a wonderful place to start. If you said that prayer every morning in 2022, you'd be in good shape. Now, I'm not saying that, uh, that we ought to stop there and not kind of learn some new ways to pray and to cry out to God. By the way, the Psalms are also a place where we get a vocabulary not only of worship, but a vocabulary of prayer as well. So we can look in that direction. Most of us are not happy with our prayer life. If you would ask, if I could look into your hearts when I started uh, talking about prayer, there'd be something in most of you saying, oh, gee, I don't do that enough. I should pray more, you know. I should really do that. And I don't know uh, what makes us, sometimes that, that may well be true, but I think, I, yeah, I do shotgun prayers, you know. Thing, just little prayers, just little kind of thing. I'm not on Facebook for this whole month here, but when people will ask for prayer or stuff, I'll stop and I'll, I'll say, well, I need to pray for so-and-so or whatever. So I'll just stop and I'll do it. It'll take me about, I don't know, 15 or 20 seconds. And then I think, I wonder, does that count? Does it count if, if I just say, Lord, for this one or for that one, help them? Because I can't think of much more to, to say than that. I think it counts. I think it counts. I think God hears those prayers. And I think that we don't need to be examining, you know, the quality of our prayers. We don't feel like professionals. We don't feel like we're maybe as good prayers as we ought to be. But listen, that our Father, that's a great prayer. It is... Our common enemy's great and ongoing strategy to get us to shut our mouths. To silence us. To put us in a corner imagining that we're not really great prayers or it doesn't really do that much good or, you know, there's other people that pray better, those pastors or those elders or so-and-so at church there, and they'll be praying, but I just don't need to do that at all, and by God's probably mad at me for what I said to the dog last night, and so, or whatever. And we just get ourselves in these places where we don't feel worthy. But it is the great strategy of our common enemy to get us to shut our mouths and not ask or seek or knock. Not do that. Just, just, you know, bite our tongue and power forward. And I'll tell you folks, we were never ever created to live that way. But it, it was always God's intention that we would ask and seek and knock and speak up to him. Always. Never to cower in a corner somewhere not feeling worthy enough or not feeling like he would actually hear 
our prayer. Folks, life is short enough, and there's a lot of hell that breaks loose in people's lives over the course of their life. Have you noticed? A lot of hell. And the Lord has given us a great tool to partner with him to see his kingdom come and his will be done. And that happens so often in the context of prayer. When we will say, in the name of Jesus, and we begin to use that name the way that he intended us to use that name instead of just laying down and let li letting life roll over us. Somebody say amen. There's a lot of life that would love to roll right over us and keep us in our place. But the Lord says, the Lord says, no, ask and seek and knock and be like the guy that comes to the friend in the middle of the night and wakes up the whole house and says, somebody's shown up at my house and I don't have anything to give them. Can you give me something? And instead of the friend saying, well, you got a lot of nerve, he says, okay, I'll give you the bread. Go ahead. Like that. That's the way the Lord used that kind of symbolism to get us to move out of those places of complacency and get into the fray. Amen? Get into the fray. Don't worry about that. The Scriptures, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We could move to the scriptures part. Uh, oh, that was prayer, by the way. We missed, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go back to the prayer one. That was a good one. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? So, should have put that one up. This, this is uh, the Scriptures, the Scriptures. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Listen to Hebrews uh, here. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. That's the Word of God. That's what it does. I love to read. Who, who are the readers in the room? You just love to read. you got two or three books going uh, a lot. There's about four or five of us here. Pains my heart. Pains my heart that we don't have people who love reading. Not just because I love it, but because um, uh, by, by reading you're going to learn a lot of things, but even more importantly, you're going to be able to come to the Scriptures often and not, not feel any hesitation to do that. But with everything that I read, and I read, a lot, I love biographies, and I love history, and I love mysteries, and things like that, none of those things do for me what God's Word does for me, right? Because God's Word moves, and it breathes, and it never changes. 
and it reads me, and it reveals me. That's what God's, and I need to be read. And I need to be revealed. The, God's, it's just so faithful to be able to pull the covers on me when I need that done. And to help me to see what's going on, really what's going on. What are your real motives regarding this issue or that issue? Amen. Or when you said that, do you understand what that did? And you maybe need to go back and repair that thing that happened. God's Word, and of course it's his Holy, the Holy Spirit using all of this to just get into my business. And we're Americans, we don't like anybody in our business. But you better let the Holy Spirit get in there. You better. You better, because if you do, life is going to get a lot more real for you and a lot more real with the people that you deal with. I had a friend named Steve Grainer. He is with the Lord now, but he was one of the people that discipled me, and he got me involved in a program called the Navigators. And the Navigators makes you uh, memorize Scripture. And this is a whole program of uh, and uh, we memorized, Lori and I, we memorized so much scripture. And you know what? I remember a good deal of it. It's, it's right there inside of me. In case somebody takes a Bible away, I got some. I got some. And it changed, it really changed our lives in that way where you get it inside of you. Get yourself a reading plan. They're, they're all over the place. Uh, for the year, a reading plan for the scriptures. You could take five minutes in the morning and it would make a great big difference uh, for you if you began to read them, if you don't do that. Let's talk about friendships now. Let's move to friendships and put the scripture up there from Proverbs. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Friendships are important. And I want to talk to the men, especially here. Ladies have an instinct about this. They just do this better than men in most cases. But men need to be with men. Let me just say that again. Men need to be with other men regularly. Regularly, which is makes one more good case for just showing up here, right? Because at least we're, we're here in this place or maybe over at the prayer or uh, room or, or do, working together, that sort of thing. But isolation is bad really for everyone, and I think men have the, the propensity to move in that direction, and it can be very, very destructive to isolate I want to talk about three categories of friendship very quickly. Ladies, some of, a lot of this can, can apply to you as well if you happen to just be hyper-introverted or whatever. But remember this, that God, one of the reasons God put us on the earth was to be connected to each other, not to run from each other, but to be in each other's lives at some level anyway. But we need friends. 
Here's three categories of friends. Are you ready? I'm talking, I'm, again, I'm talking to the men. We need in our lives grasshoppers. How many remember Kung Fu? Nobody. Okay, let me tell you a, a story about uh, uh, a show that used to be on uh, television, and it was called Kung Fu, and Grasshopper was the name of the student that was uh, in relationship with an older man. And so there was always a, a time in the show where he would come in and he would say, Hello, Grasshopper. And, and uh, he, he would give them, give Grasshopper uh, wisdom. Okay? And so we need Grasshoppers in our life. Men who are younger than us, who need our wisdom. We need to be available to them. We also need in our lives what I would call road dogs. What is he talking about? Road dogs. Just peers. People who are kind of just kind of moving along at the same place that we are. Maybe we're in the same age group or whatever. And things that you can exchange good things uh, regarding the Lord with them. And so like a Paul and Barnabas situation. Grasshoppers would have been like Paul and Timothy. Paul, uh, or Timothy being the grasshopper, right? Road dogs, Paul and Barnabas. And then we also need, finally, wise guys. Wise guys, men who, uh, wow, can't even read my writing here. Men, you, men who you keep in your life when you need wisdom and guidance or, or uh, just an ear. Trusted and beloved and wise men. Moses and Jethro, right? Moses didn't know what to do, and he goes to his father-in-law, and his father-in-law, a wise guy, took care of him. We need friendships in our lives, folks, yet does it? require a certain amount of risk and all of that to develop a friendship? Yes, it does. But we are, um, I think, required by the Scriptures to be in each other's lives. And friendships are important, and especially friendships with some folk who are tracking along in the kingdom of God. Amen? Yeah. Let's talk about gifts and talents Talk about gifts and talents. Very important. Now, if we're going to uh, serve with all the power and influence of the Holy Spirit, we need to recognize what God has invested in us and let him develop those things in us. Why don't we go to the scripture after gifts and, and talents? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay? Everybody's got something that God has invested in them. And usually, at least in, by my observation, more than one or two things. Sometimes two, three, four things, but but often a primary thing that is recognizable and it has God's fingerprints all over it. If you have not asked that question, 
or if you have not explored that at all, you should. Because by discovering that, you can begin to give that away. But if you don't know what it is, then you kind of uh, feel confused and so you're just sort of wandering around like, okay, here I am, I wonder what I'm here for, you know. But God has a very specific purpose for you and he has given you things to give away, a zone maybe that you might live in. And when you're in that zone, when you're functioning in that zone where God has gifted you, where God has invested something in you, you know what happens? You begin to emit grace. Grace comes forth from you, and people recognize it. They go, oh, oh, that's, that's very special. That's something way out of the order. I think I feel or I sense God when I'm around this person and this person is, is speaking or serving or, or doing whatever it is that they do. And so there's lists of gifts that you can look at in the scriptures. But in the church, you know, there's prophets and there's encouragers and there's exhorters and there's people with administrative gifts and pastors and craftsmen and mechanics and, you know, just all of these things. Intercessors and givers and discerners and hospitality people, all of these things. And we recognize it a little bit in, in some of us here. Is Donna here today? Is your mom here today? Now, you want to you see somebody that's got the gift of administration. This woman knows how to put a thing together. And she could, and she could be half asleep, and she's just doing it. And, and you can see that God has invested something in her to give that gift away. And when we have large events here, you go, Donna. When, I just salute her whenever, you know, she's in charge of something because I know she knows way more than I do about how this thing ought to, ought to be going. But she's an example of that, you know. I think, I think Kelly and um, Jeff have wonderful teaching group, uh, teaching gifts. And when they come up here and they teach us, we learn. By the way, that's how you know that you have a teaching gift. When you teach Somebody learns, and they'll tell you about it. They'll tell you about it, usually. Finally, number six, giving. Giving, right? Now, maybe you've noticed that over the course of your life that our first instinct from the time we're little babies is to want to get and not to receive. Or pardon me, to want to get and not to give, right? I got 10 grandkids, and that was a deal with every one of them. So it's learned behavior, isn't it? By the way, almost everything that I've spoken to you about here is learned behavior. Nobody, nobody, you know, just wakes up one day without somebody urging them and says, I believe I'd like to worship. I believe I'd like to pray. Now, you've learned how to do it. Somebody taught you that that's the right thing. But the impulse needs to be taught and then energized by the Holy Spirit. And giving the same way. And so built into God's Word is what we need to 
have in order to learn to give because, you know, most, most of us are like this. We're close-handed. And especially, have you noticed, uh, by the way, that we're kind of in a time of inflation right now? If you haven't noticed, you probably ought to notice and at least know that. But you know what you do in a time of inflation if you're a follower of Jesus? You keep giving. You, you, you remain steady and in some cases even give more than you would normally because it doesn't matter. Inflation, depression, whatever. God will supply what you need if you will be faithful to give and open your hand and just do that. Now, this is, this is my fourth congregation that I've been a part of. This is, you guys are one of the most generous congregations that I have ever been a part of. You really are. You are people who know how to do this, and you do it pretty steadily. And I commend you for that, at least what I've been able to watch. But what happens when a nation goes into a time of inflation is that people let, people let fear, right, overtake them, and all of a sudden, no, we're, you know, we got to watch our money now. We can't be given like we gave before. Oh, let me just tell you, you need to start giving more if, if, you're, if you're in that kind of fear. And you watch God prosper you in a time when most of the nation isn't. I'm telling, nobody told me to say that. I got 44 years of watching America go up and down economically or whatever. And I will tell you, when we remain faithful to give, uh, the Lord not didn't just keep our heads above water. He prospered us. And things happened that we could have never predicted financially. They really did. And it isn't because we were such great money managers. Lori was always better than me in that regard. But we weren't always great at it as a team. But I'll tell you what saved our bacon more often than not, I believe, is that we remain faithful to what we knew about the scriptures regarding giving. And beginning with the tithe, by the way, and I'm not going to get into that now. That's a sermon for another time, but that's given 10%. Just, just doing it. Just doing it. It just belonged to the Lord. That's the way we saw it. And uh, that's how we responded. In the Second Corinthians uh, passage in chapter 8, you can read it. A year ago today, I preached on that, by the way. A year ago, uh, it was the first Sunday uh, of last year. Generous, sacrificial, cheerful. Say generous. Say sacrificial. Say cheerful. Associate that with your giving. Associate that with your giving and you'll do good. And 2022 will be a great year to be givers, to be people who are using their gifts the way that God intended them to, to be worshipers and prayers and readers of the Scripture and developers of good, strong, healthy friendships. That's a six-pack for 2022.